our series of authentic being patient in suffering. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Um, last service, we had Pastor Randy, who's from Eurasia, and his wife Leah, who are here uh, for a couple weeks visiting some family. Um, they've been on the mission field uh, now for two years, almost two years, and um, Continue to pray for them as well. Um, they are doing an incredible work. Um, when you sit with missionaries that are really doing the work of the Lord, building disciples and planting churches, and I mean, just it's just incredible. Um, it's just neat to be around them. Um, and God has blessed Coastal to be able to continue that uh, work to spread the gospel to the four reaches of the world. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 7, James, the pastor of the early church in Jerusalem, he writes this, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let's pray. Precious Father, you want to speak to our hearts today. You want to teach us your word and so thus, Lord, I, I pray that I would not get in the way. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would take this word like a double-edged sword and you would use it and to divide between our soul and spirit and our bone and our marrow. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that this word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You would make us holy through your word because your word is truth. And all truth is God's truth, Lord God. And we submit to your truth and your truth alone. For Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray, Lord God, that we would not be hearers of the word only, Lord God, but we would be doers. We would walk out of here different. And so, God, help us. Help us today, Lord God, as we talk about this subject of suffering. And as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, 
my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Continuing on with this series, Authentic, being patient in suffering. It's a question mark. How and why do we want to be patient in suffering? I don't. I don't maybe about you. Have you ever suffered? What is suffering? Why do we suffer? How long does suffering last? Suffering is defined as the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. Suffering is the result of sin, and we live in a fallen and broken world, thus we will suffer. I put it this way. If you've ever ridden on a jet boat on a lake or on the, on the, the, the river or the, the bay, the water, is the, the water is sin. We're in the boat. And as we go from point A to point B in our life, the wake we leave behind in our boat is suffering. We will suffer because sin is in this world. And whether we suffer by the cause of our sin, a choice that we make or something that we do, sin, and we, are, we sin, and so therefore we suffer, or someone else is sinful, and they impose that sinfulness upon us, and thus we suffer. Jesus didn't sin on the cross, but yet he suffered. Therefore, because there is sin in this world, and this world is broken, we will suffer. Yay, good news. Okay, let's go. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Suffering ultimately leads to death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There in the midst of it, there's some hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17, the apostle Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Basically, Paul's saying that our suffering really is just light and momentary. And he understood suffering because he suffered. And before he was saved, he caused others to suffer. Suffering lasts only as long as this life lasts. Isn't that encouraging? Woohoo! All right, let's go. Because we're alive, therefore we're going to suffer. And suffering can take many different shapes and forms. It can take the forms of emotional suffering where we're constantly being tormented in our souls. There's mental suffering where we're constantly struggling with our mental health. There's physical suffering with cancer and disease. But suffering takes many different forms and the Bible says that we will suffer. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 says, "In the grace of God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. The apostle Peter basically saying, Paul's saying light and momentary affliction. The apostle Peter saying a little while. He will himself restore you to make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Sometimes it's not in this life. Sometimes it's in the next. John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, in the world you will have tribulation or suffering. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
Romans 8.18 says, I consider, the Apostle Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So even though we're suffering, we don't suffer in vain. There is a hope and an end that is coming for the believer, for the Christian. For those of you that are not Christians, the suffering has just begun. Revelation chapter 21, at the end of the Bible, we read, He, Christ, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And we read here in James 5 now that James wants us to be patient in this. Woohoo! Are you kidding me? Who wants to suffer? All right, by a show of hands, who wants to suffer? Raise your hand. No one. But let me share something with you. If you want to be used of God mightily, that path is marked by suffering. If you want God to make your life matter for eternity, you're going to suffer. Maybe you're here today and you're suffering now. Maybe it's a silent suffering that nobody knows about by a choice that you've made or something that somebody said to you. Maybe it's something more devious or sinister. But James says this, you're going to suffer and you need to be patient in suffering. It's interesting in our country and in our society, in our world, we don't want to suffer. In fact, when suffering begins, we look for the quickest way to stop suffering. In fact, we have pharmaceutical companies from 2000 to 2018 had a cumulative revenue of $11.5 trillion for drugs, a gross profit of $8.6 trillion. In 2020 alone, COVID, the pharmaceutical companies made $1.27 trillion because they have pills to give you, to help you ease your suffering, stop suffering, help with suffering. Why? Because we don't want to suffer. The U.S. alone only provided $534 billion in gross revenue to the pharmaceutical companies, though. So in one year's time, the U.S. spent $534 billion on pharmaceutical stuff. Why? Because it all revolves around suffering. We don't want to suffer. We want to deal with our illness, pain, and suffering, and we want it to end as quickly as possible and as easily as possible, and so therefore, it's better for us to do something. As soon as the suffering starts, we go to the doctor, we go talk to somebody, we go take something, because we don't want to suffer. And James says, be patient in suffering. What? I don't know about you, but this is very countercultural. This is very opposite of the way that we live. I get a headache, I take a pill. I feel sad, I take a pill. 
Whatever, whatever I'm ailing, I can take a pill. James discusses the purpose of suffering here in these verses from chapter, chapter 5, verses 7. And he does it on the heel of the warning to the rich. Remember, he, we talked about giving. And then he talks in, then he, then he transitions to patience and suffering, of how to be patient in suffering. And so if you're taking notes, pull out your bulletins and write these things down. There's three truths from this text on the purpose of suffering. We need to understand the purpose in suffering. There is a purpose to suffering. And it's not for us to get through it as quickly as possible. It's not for us to stop, for it to stop. It's not for us to ignore it. There's three purposes that James here gives us in Scripture. And the first one is this. Suffering is to focus us on the return of the Lord. It's to communicate to us that Christians, that this earth, that this world, that this reality is not our home. There's something better. There's something beyond. There's something far better. When we suffer, we long for the Lord to heal, restore, and redeem this broken world. Look what James says here. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Being patient about it. And it receives the early and late rains. But most of us look and go, okay, so that's like in a season. So like in one year, my suffering should be over. Some of us just suffer for 100 years, and then that's it. I always go back to what my grandma says. She says, it's only the first 100 years of life that are hard. It, it, it's, it's this idea that when we suffer, we long for Jesus to return. There's got to be something more. There has to be something better. There has to be something that's going to ease this suffering. And there is. His name is Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul's writing on the return of Christ, and this has always bothered me. It says, and those that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Those that are alive and remain? What? Does that mean that Christians are going to suffer before the Lord returns? Possibly. And then he says, comfort one another with these words. Oh, okay, if I'm alive and remaining. No, the reality is life causes us to suffer, and we don't want to suffer. It's counterintuitive to us. You put your hand on the hot plate, and what do you instantly do once it starts to burn? You move it. And I'm not saying run to the suffer. Don't run into the street and get hit by a bus now. But I'm saying that suffering as life are inevitable. When we suffer, we long for the Lord. And so James says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. That means Jesus could return at any time. Be ready. Second purpose in suffering is not just to focus our return on the Lord, but suffering is to remind us the time is short before the Lord makes all wrongs right. 
Don't you feel like that the tide of, of evil is like, like going to consume? It's like this huge tidal wave and it's going to crash down and it's going to win. And, and you're like, what can I do as an individual? And the response is this, nothing. Because God's given us the church to do it collectively. That it's not just us as individuals shining a flashlight in the darkness as this huge, massive light. No, you think of it more as Christmas lights, that all of us are a little Christmas light, and together we bring light to the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That all of us in the midst of this are to bring light, and the time is short for us to shine our light in this world, because Jesus is coming, and he's gonna make all the wrongs right, and that evil will not win. In fact, how do we know this? Because we talk about the gospel all the time. The gospel is Jesus is God. He died on the cross for our sins. He, Jesus bodily rose from the dead. And we repent of our sins, believe the gospel, and receive Christ into our life. And when Christ comes into our life, guess what? We have eternal life right in that moment. Eternal life doesn't begin when we die. It begins when we believe, repent, believe, and receive. So guess what? If you're a Christian here, we got eternal life. So guess what? We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear suffering. It's only momentary light affliction. It's only for a small time. All those verses start to make sense then. Because we have eternity. In light of eternity, this is tiny. And so therefore, we can be patient and wait The Lord is going to make wrongs right. So how, what, what do we do? That's why in verse 9 he says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. He's saying, because the time is short, why are you fighting amongst yourselves? Why do Christians shoot their own wounded? Why aren't we loving each other better? Why aren't we caring and encouraging each other better and more? Why are we so afraid to hurt each other's feelings as we watch our brother and sister's marriage as a train wreck and we're not coming around them and loving them and trying to help them? We're just talking about them. No, the reality is, is that God wants us to engage. There's no time for wallowing in self-pity or unforgiveness toward those who have hurt us or those of whom we hurt. Repent. And I'm not saying live in an unsafe situation, but I am saying forgive and move on. The Lord is returning. He is standing at the door. I love this. It says that the judge is standing at the door, that Christ is standing at the door. I have three brothers. I have an older brother and two younger twin brothers, and we all shared a room. My dad was in the Marine Corps, so we moved around a lot. But in one of our duty stations, we, we had one room and the four of us, two bunk beds on each side. And we got in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble, especially when the lights turned out. It was like party time. And we would be laughing around, and my dad would be like, now get into bed. And we knew when we heard right at the door that it was like we're diving for our beds. Because we knew he was standing at the door. And if he's standing at the door, what's the next thing that's going to happen? 
He's going to open the door and he's going to walk in. And then all of a sudden, wherever we are, we're busted. And then he lines us up. He did not spare the rod. I was not spoiled. And one at a time, we would come out. Your turn, David. Only those that can, whose parents didn't spare the rod can relate. He's standing at the door. So why are we taking the time to judge and, and try, to, try, to, try to make things perfect? There's a lost and dying world out there that we're to be light in the darkness, that we should be loving each other. Now, are we perfect? Oh, no. What? I thought you were. No, we're not perfect. That's why we need the gospel every single day of our life. And so Christ is working within us. He's changing us and transforming us. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that he's going to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And let me share with you what he's going to do, how he's going to do that. He's going to use, in a large part, suffering. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to the light now things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his condemnation from the Lord, or commendation from the Lord. The Lord is going to make right all the things that are wrong when he returns. At any moment, we will see Jesus face to face, and there will be either shame or joy. Let me share something with you. If, if you're looking forward to walking the streets of gold and seeing like angels floating around and all this music and the perfect climate and all of that stuff, you're gonna be disappointed with heaven. What? Because let me share something with you. Heaven is all about Jesus. I'm not interested in all those other things. I just wanna see Jesus. And when the Lord returns when all the suffering and all the things are happening, I just want to see Jesus. Now, all those things are great byproducts. All those things are great because Jesus is there. But let me tell you, I want to see Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want to see him face to face. And if you desire anything else in the Christian faith and don't desire Jesus, you're desiring the wrong thing and you'll be disappointed. Because it's about Christ Everything in this life, my identity, my failures, my successes, at the end of the day, I fall down on my face and I say, it's for you, Jesus. Sorry for the bad stuff. The good stuff's yours. And I can't wait to see you and maybe you'll come today. If you're living for anything else other than Christ, other than Christ Jesus, then you're not living the Christian life in the way that it was intended if you're living to do good things and good works and people to affirm you and the praises of man and all that stuff, it's not gonna matter when Jesus returns. All that's gonna matter is seeing Jesus face to face, the one who saved you, the one who redeemed you, the one who made you new, and the one who's gonna give you a new body for eternity. 
That's when the suffering ends. That's when the pain ends. That's when all those things end. Matthew chapter 24, verse 33. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Jesus is close. He's going to return. And there's either shame or joy. Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T, Ignatius Press, wrote a book called Heaven, the Heart's Deepest Longing. Now, he's a Catholic theologian, and so there's things that I'm like, eh, he talks about purgatory. Skip those chapters. But there's a chapter in there that he talks about. He talks about this, and it's, he says this. He said, because he, he lost a child. He and his wife lost a child. And he said, I don't long to see my child in heaven first. I long to see Jesus because in Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in my life that I've been longing for. My child being there will just be a bonus. That's what makes heaven so great. That's what makes the return of Christ so anticipatory. Number three, suffering is to help us identify with those who have suffered. Suffering is to help us identify with those who have suffered. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Have you ever just seen someone remain steadfast in suffering? They don't, they don't curse God. You see them suffering and there's just such a joy and a peace and a grace to them. Man, and I don't understand it sometimes. And I look at it and I visit them in the hospital and they're dying and their bodies are wasting away and the joy of the Lord is all over their face and you go, man, what the heck? And they're remaining steadfast in the midst of suffering, waiting patiently for the coming of the Lord. That's the, that's the example of it. And the apostle, I mean, James, not the apostle, James, the first pastor in the church in Jerusalem, he says, let's just talk about Job for a second. If you've ever read the book of Job, but here's Job. All the things in life that make you a success, Job had. Lots of kids, lots of money, lots of businesses, great wife, Great friends had all of those things. And in an instant, all those things were taken away. His businesses, his, 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 his wealth, all of those things are gone. His children, the, the house collapsed on them and they all died. Children, grandchildren, everything. Him and his wife. His wife gets angry at him, says, leaves him. All of a sudden then he gets cursed with boils all over his body. Pain everywhere. You want to talk about suffering? This guy suffered. You want to talk about mental suffering, emotional suffering, every kind of suffering you can imagine, physical suffering? He's doing it. And so here's Job, and you would think, why God? That's usually the question that we have. Where were you? Where are you? You gotta wait patiently. That's what James is saying. It's like the farmer who's waiting for the crop to grow. Gotta wait patiently. And Job is there. 
And in Job chapter 1, verse 21, after he loses his children and all his stuff, he says, naked I came in from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Job chapter 13, verse 15, Job stands before the Lord and his, I mean, his friends, and he says, though he slay me, though God kill me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain my own ways before him, meaning I'm going to continue to live righteously before him. Job 23.10 says, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come out as pure gold. I like the King James better. It says, but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me and tried me and refined me, I shall come forth as pure gold. That's what the King James says. How, how do you refine gold? The only way that you do it is it's, it's with all these other minerals and everything. What do they do? They heat it up, and the gold just melts out. That's the refining process. And Job says, when he's done with me, maybe even in death, I'm gonna come out like pure gold. The problem is we're just so short-sighted. I know I am. I know that I'm totally short-sighted. If suffering is to help us to identify those who have suffered, then we need to understand this, Christians, that the world is not looking at us when things are going well. They're looking at us when things are going badly and when we're suffering. How's that person gonna react now that their husband left them or their wife left them? How's that person gonna react now that their child has died? Are they really gonna live what they say they believe? Is it real? Think about all of the Christians that the apostle Paul executed and killed and persecuted and caused to suffer. And then think about the Apostle Paul's conversion and now the Apostle Paul is proclaiming Jesus. And maybe when they were suffering and dying and they were breathing their last and they're calling upon Jesus and Paul is persecuting them, maybe it's starting to get into him a little bit. And when he sees Jesus, then all of a sudden he realizes, I'm on the wrong side. And if we could get to heaven right now and we could interview some of the people, some no-names that we've never even heard of that Paul killed and persecuted and we interviewed him and said, was it worth it? I think without a shadow of a doubt, 100%, they would say, well, look what the Apostle Paul did. It was worth my sacrifice for the gospel to go out all over the world through the Apostle Paul. But we're so focused on our little world and our things that are going on in our life that we don't understand that the world is looking at us Christians, not when things are going but well, but when we suffer. Is Christ real? I remember I was having a conversation with somebody and he was, he was communicating all the things that were going wrong and he was, man, he was suffering through some stuff. And I just looked at him and I just said, man, man, I'm so sorry. And, and I was truly sorry. I just looked at him and I said, I guess you get to finally live what you say you believe. He goes, there's no comfort in that. I said, no, but there will be comfort when Christ returns or when you see him face to face because his outward body was wasting away. And guess what? He did live what he believed. He lived it. Corey Tim Boone, I want to read an excerpt 
from this book, Not Good If Detached. Her and her family during World War II in Holland hid Jews and smuggled them out. Smuggled them out of Holland to safety. Well, they got caught and all of them were thrown in a Nazi concentration camp in Germany. And she lost every single one of her family members. In fact, her sister, who she was closest to, died in her arms. She returns 10 years later to Germany to proclaim the gospel in meetings to the German people. Now that alone to me is incredible. That alone to me is, 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 is blowing the mind. But she writes in this book in her return to Germany, at a meeting in a friend's home, I see a woman who does not look into my eyes. On asking my hostess who she is, I am told that she is one of the nurses from the concentration camp. Suddenly I recognized her. Ten years ago, I had to take my sister Betsy to the hospital barracks in the concentration camp where we were prisoners. Her feet were paralyzed. She was dying. This nurse was cruel to her and scolded her. And at that moment of recognition, hatred comes into my heart. I thought I had overcome it. But now I see her again after all these years and great bitterness is in my heart. For 10 years I have harbored this hatred. Oh, the shame of it. When I bring my sins to the Lord Jesus, he casts them into the depths of the sea, forgiven and forgotten. He also puts up a sign, no fishing allowed. And I, 10 years, and I have neither forgiven nor forgotten what this woman did. Ashamed, I confess my guilt. Forgive me for my hatred, O Lord. Teach me how to love my enemies. What a joy that there is forgiveness and salvation from sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins if we confess them. It has never cleansed excuses. Instead of hatred, love enters my heart. After the meeting, I try to speak with her, but she is unwilling to talk. She goes on to write how she reaches out to this woman and calls her. And there have been people that have been praying for this nurse. And as a result of her forgiveness and love and testimony, she called her and said, I'm, I'm, going, I'm, at, I'm speaking at a meeting, would you come? And reluctantly, the nurse shows up. Corey Tim Boone shares the gospel in this meeting. And this nurse comes to Christ. Because Corey Trimboone understood that suffering and being patient in suffering led to something far better. Your suffering, although you might not understand it, it might not make any sense to you, you can't, you can't, you can't even fathom it. And if you're suffering here today, I'm so sorry because I know it's so hard. We've got to recognize that there's a purpose in suffering. And sometimes it's for somebody to come to know Christ as a result of our suffering. Maybe God had to use Corey Timboon's suffering to reach this nurse. The verses 12, verse 12, it says, But my brothers and sisters, don't swear by heaven or earth or anything under the earth. It's interesting in suffering. What does the world do? They want to swear and they want to lie 
so that they can stop being patient and enduring. They want to end their suffering so fast that they'll do anything and everything in their power to end the suffering. So the world swears and lies to stop the suffering. But consider Jesus who suffered not just a death on the cross, but through the betrayal of Peter. Peter betrayed him. Denied him three times. One of his close friends, Judas, betrayed him so that he was killed. His followers completely were, left him. He was rejected by his family. There was a culture in which he lived in that wanted to permanently cancel him and crucified him. And on the cross, Jesus willingly endured and waited to suffer and die. Why? Because, Christian, he went willingly to the cross to obey the Father and die in our place. Jesus rose from the dead. It's not the end of the story. He ascended into heaven and he will return. Make no mistake, Jesus is going to return. And if you hope, if your hope in life is to live a life free of suffering, then you're living a life free from Christ. For when anyone other than Jesus will be sorely disappointed if you're living this life. Jesus must be our prize, not our good works, not our suffering, not our good theology, not our families, not our sin, not our freedom, not our politics, not our fight for justice, not our fight for this planet. Just Jesus Christ has to be our focus in suffering. Because if that alone allows us to relate to Jesus in suffering, Philippians 3.10, Paul says, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Basically, Paul's saying, if you want to know Christ, you got to have to suffer. And not only suffer, but like Corey Tim Boone, be thankful that God can use your suffering in the lives of others. That's the hard part. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Even the pain, even the suffering, even the hardship, even the difficulties, give thanks. Because we know that God is working all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And there's not one bit of suffering that God wastes from your life. And so while we're suffering, we have to be patient. And I know it's so hard because we want it to stop and we want the pain to stop and we want that, that difficulty to stop. And in the midst of that, you're looking at this and saying, how in the world is this doing anything? And I'm here to tell you that people are watching and they're gonna come seek you out when they start suffering. They're, and you're gonna look at them and you're gonna be able to communicate to them the gospel. And there's a nurse that God has for you in your life that's gonna come to know Christ. There's somebody, there's somebody in your world and in your circle that God wants to use through your suffering for them to come to know Christ. Don't rebuff it. Don't run from it. Embrace it and say, it's Jesus. And help Jesus, help me to get through it. And hold to the fact that Jesus Christ is going to return. When we see him face to face, he's going to wipe every tear from our eye and there's going to be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more suffering. 
should long for that day. Let's, let's all stand up. I'm going to pray. If you need prayer, if you're suffering alone, please don't suffer alone. We want to help you feel less alone. Come forward. There'll be people here to pray with you. There'll be people in the prayer chapel. If you're here and you're struggling with whatever you're going through in this life, please, please, please come up here. And for the rest of us, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. Through the darkest pain, through the suffering. Precious Father, I just pray for each person here. I pray, Lord God, that if anyone here doesn't know the gospel of Jesus, has never received the gospel of Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would come forward, they would talk to one of the counselors, they would pray with them. If somebody here is suffering alone, I pray, Lord God, that today they would walk out and they would, Father, share their hatred, share their hurt, share their pain, share the suffering that they're going through, Lord God, and that we would pray, Father, and recognize that they're not alone, Lord God. We thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for understanding our suffering because you first suffered. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.